0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 314. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Paddy Buckley. I'm Eric Pance. And I'm Jeremy O'Hanlon. Welcome, guys. Thank you very much for uh, for joining me on this episode. Um Eric, you're the uh, the newest, we haven't had you on the show before, so uh, maybe you can fill listeners in. where In what way are you associated with the uh, technology community here in New Zealand?
1: Oh Well, well thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me over, and uh, um, as far as my uh, tech experience, been around for quite a while in the digital space for movies and entertainment, and uh, our US company just recently acquired QuickFlix out of Australia, and of course we have a uh, an operation here in new zealand as well so it's exciting to be
0: uh out here and see everything that's happening fantastic so uh you're based in los angeles that's correct okay good good we'll certainly look forward to uh cycling back in and, and hearing a little bit more about what's happening in the in the world of QuickFlix and uh where you fit into uh to that during the show um paddy for those that haven't heard you on the show
2: for a while hi paul so yep i am um, i run QuickFlix locally so uh eric's over here visiting me and uh Doing a few other things, so um, yeah. Um, but but I'm uh, I'm locally based, and uh, I oversee QuickFix New Zealand operations.
0: Good. Well, always fun to have you on the on the show and, and talk about what's happening. Um, and Jeremy,
3: hey Paul, I um, I'm basically the uh, sort of marketing guy for uh, Homes Co NZ, so tech.
0: You've been, in the, you've been in the tech industry for yeah, a long I, time, though, right? Yeah, we, I was in,
3: um, I was at Orcon for a, a number of years and, um, yeah, love the space. It's always yeah. moving, always changing, keeps things fun, eh?
0: It does, yeah. it does. All right. Well, uh, well, let, let's jump in. Uh, a bunch of topics that we want to uh, chat through, uh, on this episode. Uh, uh, quite a bit I'd like to talk about around the world of, uh, of streaming and on demand content uh some some music related uh news as well as uh film and film and tv uh content uh what happened uh this weekend that's just uh gone uh in relation to uh to the parker uh uh, boxing match streaming associated with that uh Definitely wanted to get an update of um, what's happening in the QuickFlix world and from you, Jeremy, around uh, uh, nz, and uh, a few other topics there as well. Um, the, the new MacBook Pro uh, and how it's going against uh, Microsoft's Surface, amongst other topics. So let's jump in. Now, first up, uh, we've heard about some new ransomware that... Has a distinctly sort of uh, different take uh, on ensuring that it's uh, profitable that we haven't seen before. So uh, this ransomware uh, is called Pop- uh, Popcorn Time malware, and um, you guys in the in the streaming world probably heard of uh, of, of the Popcorn Time uh, app, which uh, basically was a um, uh, a way of, of streaming content illegally, uh, but this this malware basically you know comes out as as other uh, ransomware has done uh, before it and uh, infects a machine and then encrypts your data. Now, what we've seen uh, previously is when you get infected with uh, this type of uh, uh, ransomware you're usually asked to, uh, to pay a ransom in, uh, in Bitcoin. What's different here is that, yes, you have that option of paying, I think it's a, uh, one Bitcoin, uh, to get your data back, but also there is a second option that you can choose. And uh, this one is uh, is rather nasty. Basically, it says if you help spread the malware and uh, two or more uh, people, uh, install uh the malware and go ahead and pay uh then your system will be decrypted for free any any, any thoughts any thoughts on that <laughs> i mean where 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 could this lead
1: us to uh ah, it's just a you know it's pretty disgusting you know look at humanity that we're willing to pass along something to other people to uh benefit ourselves i mean hopefully it's not anonymous and you know where it comes from so you can go uh find the guy that spread it over to you
3: it's interesting though that you've got um stuff starting to really i guess go viral from the uh from just a sharing mechanic that you know people that companies have been using for a long time it's sort of it's a way to market things um referrals and this is just a, a an evil little play on it really but do we know if it's
2: got any, tra- any traction?
0: Um, I don't I don't know yeah how uh, how much traction that it's got but with with this approach uh, it you yeah, know maybe we'll get more traction than some of the ones we've seen in the past I guess that comes down to uh, human nature and uh, and who's getting infected with it but uh, you know I guess effectively you're looking at a at an affiliate marketing scheme here a rather a rather evil one. And if, you know, if you ex, if you extend that out, and, and of course there, there have been sort of toolkits available so you can, uh, you know, you can pay and, and build your own, uh, ransomware. But what we've also heard around the, the, these, uh, uh, organizations that have been spreading ransomware as you know, some of them have, ha- uh, have really, uh, built up a, a pretty impressive, uh, business, as it were. Yeah. Where they've got customer service and they, you know, they're, they're, they're out, you know, helping you and teaching you how to get uh, Bitcoin to them and, and so on. So, you know, some of them have got better customer service than, uh, than a, a, a typical antivirus firm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the idea, I guess, of if you've got a big, uh, a big database, however you've got it, uh, probably illegally um and then being able to you know do some sort of an affiliate deal uh, maybe whereby, look you haven't even been hit but you, you know you uh, you sign up with one of these companies and say look I've got a I've got an email database of uh, of uh 10, 10 million or whatever it is I'll push out to them and if you can give me you know if I can get uh, half of of what you get um then we've got a deal I'll go out and spread this thing and uh, let's make some money together there's there's some, there's some pretty uh, you know nasty consequences of this sort of approach, isn't there? Yeah, it's interesting that you have to
3: you have to go and those two people have to pay before you get unlocked. So you'd almost have to go and um, tap on the shoulder of your mates and go, "Oh, have you just got a virus? Um, you really should pay up, otherwise." Uh...
1: <laughs> so are are they primarily focusing um, media based databases, or can you how how are they actually sending it or getting it in the first place?
0: um yeah i i mean i don't know in this in this particular case, but you know a lot of these things are um uh you know i guess being sent out to big sort of yeah, big spam lists and 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 so on. That's. i mean they seem to just go far and wide don't they so mm. um yeah we've probably most of us have have seen uh, one of these things in 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 some form or another or 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 it's come at least come to our email address it might not have ever got to uh uh, to our in, inbox depending on how uh, you know how well our email is being filtered and so on um, yeah, but um it's a bit of a worrying new turn turn and uh, i I guess it's the new reality that um, that we've been in for you know uh, not too many years, but I guess when i when I saw that turn where uh malware went from being something which didn't generally generate a whole lot of money to the world we're in now with with ransomware. Where really, I mean, there is a huge incentive for them to get your um, your computer infected compared to you know in the old days. There was yeah, there was a there was a benefit of adding your computer to a botnet, uh, something like that. But each individual infection wasn't particularly valuable. It was it was having mm. a really big infection that would be valuable, but. Uh, now each one can be uh, a significant money spinner so i don't think these uh, these sorts of things are about to slow down anytime soon unfortunately
1: no it's actually uh, it reminds me back going back i don't know it had it been about 10 years ago there was actually a dvd encryption that was put on discs that if you tried to rip the disc it would actually put malware and freeze up your computer and in the states it ended up being a massive class action lawsuit and
0: Texas kind of led, and I, I can't remember. Was who. Was this them, the Sony one? I, I remember it was. a rootkit. I think from, yes. I think from Sony, if I remember correctly. That would, yeah, basically and in, in, um, infect your machine to try and try and stop you, uh, um, you know, converting the uh, the DVD into into a digital file. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, it was basically uh, putting your computer at risk.
1: Right, and of course the government came in and protected everybody that was doing this and you know the intellectual property owner once again was you know left with defenseless
0: yeah it's um hmm Uh, it's all, all good fun times um yeah that was what am i seeing here 2005 um so uh yeah now on to um on to other topics now um talking about streaming content uh, Netflix have extended their, um, their VR, their virtual reality uh, offering, so you can run it on um, on, on Google uh, Daydream, and um, the Daydream headset was um, um and and the, or the Daydream platform you know was only just announced in the I guess the last you know, couple of months or, or, or so. Um, but this gives us another way that you can uh, you can consume uh, their content, and uh, you know I guess we are moving into uh, into that world where there will be more and more uh, VR apps, and um, things will get um, increasingly sort of uh, social potentially, where you can. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Xbox had had this in a form sort of pre pre-VR days where you could uh, you could sit down uh, with mates avatars and so on and uh, and watch some content together I'm not sure that was particularly successful actually Um, but uh, yeah the idea you put on your VR headset and um, and sit around virtually with your mates and uh, consume some uh, some content is this a good idea any thoughts what do you think Eric (laughs) it just seems ironic that
1: you put on a device so that you can socialize how about just going to the pub
0: it's, it's a that's a fairly good approach, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a
1: <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: it's a um, it's a pretty fascinating space, though. Avr, how it's um, I guess the adoption cycle, it's it's sort of got a whole lot of hurdles that it has to jump through, doesn't it? That's a bit of a chicken and egg issue, where um, you know, you have got to have devices in consumers' hands, and you've got to have the app developers, and then the hardware. It's all sort of got to come in, and it feels like it's it's sort of going to hit this critical mass. Um, at some stage, picking when it is, who knows but um, there's, it feels like it's the adoption cycle holding things down more than the uh, the technology I guess now
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I mean ele- elements of both um, I mean from that sort of social aspect there are scenarios where you know people are in remote locations or they can't travel and so on so I'm, I'm kind of interested in what and what potential there is there.
2: Mm. Patty? is this something that excites you? It does. I, I'm not sure that I, um, I've yet, I'm yet to get fully on board in my head. I, I, I don't know if I'm a bit of a sort of party pooper or something, but I, I, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm yet sort of fully, fully taken in by it all. But, I mean, look, I've done a couple of demos and things, and it, it, it is pretty amazing. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I think we don't yet fully understand what, what the practical usages are, are, are going to be. Um, And, uh, you know, it is a kind of a wait and see or see how it all all goes. I don't think anyone knows what what we're going to look like in five years' time. Mm. But it's, yeah, look, it is fascinating. And, uh, you know, the the sort of the the gadget geeky side of me thinks it's all super cool, but I haven't got a headset at home and I haven't, you know, really immersed myself in it yet. So that Mm. tells you something, I suppose, about the adoption cycle and so on.
0: Because certainly it's not expensive. And, I mean, around the office here we've certainly got, you know, probably one or two... Varying little, uh, you know, card, you know, Google cardboard's and you know things like that, but it's it's not something you know I think of um, very often, and certainly don't have any of the team coming and sort of saying, "Oh, poor could we, you know, borrow XYZ When we've you know got some of the the gadgets floating around, so um, the the excitement
2: about it isn't quite there yet. Um, Question that you, I mean, I'm this is a, a straight up me not knowing the answer, but you know, we have these different competing competing headsets and so on where's that going to end up Will there, do we expect there to be a clear winner or do we think that actually they can all coexist happily or what? It, what, what how do you guys see things
1: well I'm, my personal opinion is that the device that's going to provide the best definition zero artifacting that's going to be the one that ultimately wins if you've used the devices before any sort of interaction meaning any distractions within the visual piece or if the quality is not that good it instantly takes you out of that that virtual sensation so you have to have a device that's pristine in order for you to really be fully engaged with it so i think ultimately the higher end devices
2: are the ones that will win out and is it am i right it's the htc device that, that's thought of as the, the the best at the moment or is that is that not right i'd um, say probably oculus
0: you know, I think HTC and Oculus are both, you know, doing some some good stuff. I, you know, there are other things where you've got to have set sort of sensors in a room to pick your location, and um, you know, I think we're we're now seeing the next stage of that coming along, where actually that'll all be in in the device. You don't need to have those external sensors. So, you know, there are some, I guess, technology pieces there. But you know, I agree with with Eric in terms of, um, yeah, you know, the 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 smoother and 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 crisper and so on. You make it. Um, the, the more immersive and effective it's going to be. And you've also got to avoid those things that lead to people feeling sort of a bit, um, sick and so on when they're using them, right? Um, if you feel like throwing up, it's not the sort of device you're going to be, uh, wearing for too long, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say. <laughs> we were actually talking to some folks
1: about, um, uh, putting the devices on airlines. So there was a couple studios that were getting on board with doing, um, the the devices actually on the airlines and providing movies in that environment, which was completely immersive. But to think about just that with the motion, now you're on an airplane and <laughs> yeah, you got this going on. Add, it's add that like, into oh, the mix.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I found myself sort of pretty pretty close to that without a headset when I was on on the flight that, um, when uh, when Netflix launched their off offline mode. I, you know, I tried that with. Um, with my uh bluetooth noise, bluetooth noise cancelling uh headphones and the experience was you know I, you know I guess it's like that when you are watching something on a normal screen you know you sort of get absorbed into it and that with the fact that all the other noise was sort of wasn't there um yeah, I, uh, I lost track of what, you know, what, what was going on. And, you know, the, the flight had actually landed. Everyone was queued up down the middle of the plane to get off. I was sitting in the very, you know, front seat on the, on the right hand side. And, uh, it, it took the stewardess to sort of, you know, pull my bag down and drop it on the seat next to me and accidentally bump me for me to be alerted of, uh, you know, that it was time for me to get up and get you know, yeah. Stop, uh, stop watching. Um, so yeah you go if you were to take that one step further and uh, um, yeah you, you'd you be you'd have no idea when the plane had sort of crashed and caught fire and you're supposed to be running off the plane you'd be enjoying your <laughs> Netflix uh, or your uh, maybe your quick flicks in the future uh, to uh, um, you know while the flames burnt around you so if I guess if that timed in with your movie then uh, you might be none the wiser. <laughs> it's that immersion eh if you can crack
3: that <laughs> <laughs> that full immersion experience where your senses are sort of totally full, then um, I think it'll become a, um, a much more mainstream social reality, I guess. Um, I mean it takes a, a few I guess, a, a few use cases like Skype, you know just being able to talk to people comfortably in other countries and, and do that on a, on an easy regular basis. Um, I think it'll, it'll really need some solid use cases to drive mass adoption.
0: Now, um, some of you may recall, uh, Neil, Neil Young, um, launched the Pono, which was, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, I think. Is that right? I don't know, but it's, uh, um, it always, P O N O. Um, and, and this was, uh, I guess like a, uh, an iPod, but, but, you know, basically a, uh, um, uh, designed as a, um audio streaming music streaming device that would uh play the audio back in very high definition and i know that you know quite a bunch of audiophiles got got pretty excited about this um yeah they 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 did um breeze me well i think in uh, in launching it i remember seeing it at CS uh, probably a couple of years back, so that I think that would have been when they when they were launching. I think they launched it at the beginning of uh, uh, 2015. There may have been a Kickstarter campaign or something, uh, you know, prior to that. Uh, for me, I guess uh, my ears maybe aren't, uh, aren't tuned enough, but I had to listen, and yeah, it sounded sounded cool, but it didn't blow me away. Uh, but now the, um, the the focus is on not just having. Uh, media player and somewhere where you can uh, buy that high uh, definition audio but uh, um, actually having a uh, a streaming service that will offer high definition audio how do you guys feel about that is it um is it important to you the getting better quality audio than what you get today uh, out of a I'm, typical a typical mp3 i'm
3: one of, I'm, I'm like you paul it's uh my
0: ears are not tuned well enough to
3: notice the difference so uh, yeah it's it's cool though i like the fact that um you know people are i guess you get you get mainstream hardware generally and uh it's harder to to really kick off a a niche product that is this um yeah serves a serves a different audience so it's great all all the best and i'm sure the musicians would love it yeah
1: I I've I've heard the uh, demo on it and it is quite impressive. I I'm one of the fans of it. Um the I heard the Metallica album on it and it was it, it was absolutely mind blowing.
0: What were you listening through? Was it headphones or a really good audio you No know, headphones. Up? Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: And of course the headphones I mean it's
0: you've got you've to have end to end solution the with the yeah. whole
1: thing. Um but there there's also some technologies out there. Um some companies that are emerging in the U.S. that are doing different things with compression around the audio as well. And they're taking basically some of these AC3 files that would be the typical files that, you know, most people are listening to streams on, and they're doing some processing on it that makes it sound outstanding um, without having the huge amount of bandwidth that, you know, high-fidelity audio is going to require. So mm-hmm. I think that people are starting to say now that, they want they want to have a better quality audio experience, and if you see the huge explosion in headphones, um, I think it, it may be something that's successful.
2: I'm uh, I guess I sit somewhere between between both well between everyone in all of this in the sense that I th- I think it's great, but I I mean I don't see it becoming a, a mass market product. I imagine it'll be more expensive, and you know I don't I don't know where I don't know what the latest numbers on on Tidal R and, and so on, you know, where they're trying to be uh, a, a bit more going, that, or going in that direction. But I, th- I think that um, for most people, uh, Spotify and so on with some half-decent headphones, and they're not complaining. Um, mm. Well, tidal offers, I think, a, you know, a lossless yeah, um, service. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so this would be competing with what so with what they're already doing. Okay, so
2: that so makes it pretty hard, right? It wouldn't. We're not saying it would be a step up even from theirs. Is it? That's not possible. You're saying if tidal's lossless, then presumably you can't go can't go better than that, can you? I'm not sure. I,
0: yeah, I think and their their lossless um subscription um it's twice the price I think. Or the the they're, they're, they're
2: being able to get their their lossless services, yeah, double. Mm. So, mm. you again, you go through the use cases and you think, well, if you're using it and your bluetooth thing to a, you know, one of those bluetooth speakers or something well, then it's a complete waste of time. Uh or if you play it in your car or, you know, whatever you do, you need the high-end kit to really appreciate it all, don't you? Mm. I mean, that's critical.
0: Yeah. No, actually, just checking there, the, the quality will be higher quality than what Tidal yeah. is delivering yeah. today, definitely. So, I, I'm kidding.
2: sure there's a market for it. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I'd like to give it a whirl, but I can live without it, I'm sorry to say. And that's, from, I mean, I, I love music and I, yeah, I, I crank it loud sometimes and, you know, I enjoy it all. But, but I, can, I, think, I think it's something I'd enjoy, but I, it's not a must-have for me.
0: Yeah and I just wouldn't have too much confidence I think the the, um, the Pono store originally that, that was set up to offer high res uh, music has been offline for um uh, number of months now so um yeah whether I would have confidence in this continuing I don't know <laughs> But I'm sure some people will try it, and if they if they get enough uptake, then um, then away
2: they go. Well, the other thing from a consumer perspective, we know this on the streaming side. When you've got a sort of month to month business model, it's pretty consumer friendly, and you can shut yourself down at any time, and you're fine. Yeah. So no, you know why not? Nobody gets too hurt by it's, that. Exactly do they? right. Yeah. Give it a go. Yeah.
0: yeah. Good stuff. Well. Um, I think it's probably time to hear a little bit about what's happening in the in the Quickflix world. <laughs> and uh, Eric, why why have you done this crazy thing and uh, um, gone and 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 acquired uh, Quickflix? So and maybe you can tell us what what your firm is in the states and what what you do, and so how this sort of thing has come together. Sure. Well,
1: you know, you know, my background was basically in film distribution, and we were in film production even prior to that. So. I've always been a, an advocate on you know getting getting the art out to the people um, Our firm for the last 10 years in the US is really specialized in the technical services around how movies actually get on Netflix and get on iTunes so for years now we've been kind of that group that kind of helps the studios and the networks navigate the the tech world into getting their content on these services so this was a unique opportunity for us to kind of step direct to the consumer um, and leverage a bit of our tech package and expertise and, and try to reach out there. I think that QuickFlix had, had struggled a lot being in the subscription-based uh, video on demand like Netflix is. Um, it takes a lot of money to buy all the rights to the, the TV shows and the movies, and it's really designed for, for big players with deep pockets um and th- that was a difficult space to be in with all the competition and netflix coming into australia and coming into new zealand so it was- and they
0: seem to have won the, the lion's share of the marker i mean I, I did a sort of a straw poll uh, a few months ago and um yeah it, it just it just seemed as though as, as soon as they'd landed in the local market their their brand and you know dominance uh was very very evident here and uh it doesn't leave a lot of space for other, um, subscription video on demand services.
1: No, it doesn't. And I, I think that had they not gone into the original programming and been as successful as they had probably, uh, you know, going into these foreign countries probably would not have been as successful. Um, but with some of the great programming that they put together and, you know, stands the same way in Australia, some great content that's been put together, um, so that's it's a it's a very crowded space. So we looked at it and we said, you know, what everybody's really missing is the high quality new release, you know, feature films. So um, you know a lot of people don't know the company was really around DVD and Blu-ray um, mail order. To start with um, much to start like with,
0: Netflix was, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it
1: was really about a movie service. So we said, you know, this has still been successful, still is successful in Australia. Why don't we focus the company really About bringing mainstream as well as, you know, independent films, but high quality films to the consumer. So we look at it saying, hey, you know, have your Netflix, have your Lightbox, have whatever subscription service that you want to have. But if you really want to watch the newest movies that have just come out of the box office and you may have missed them or you didn't want to, you know, go to the theater for it, here's a great service for it. So that's that's been our uh, that's been our approach. Um, the studios are all supporting us um, in the marketplace. So we're we're excited to bring a high quality new release service to the uh, to the market.
0: How does it look uh, around the world? Are you just offering this in New Zealand and Australia, or do you have any other similar offerings? Um, your company is called—is it Walla Walla? Um actually the the wallace side
1: of the company is a a service for independent filmmakers that want to get their content on um other um service Good. providers. Okay. Um our main tech company is actually called Mojo Makers um in the US. Okay. So um from a direct to consumer standpoint Australia and New Zealand is the only place that we're really doing that that direct piece. We dabbled a bit in the past with offering a Facebook player which was quite interesting. Um, we put almost two thousand films on Facebook um, and had a streaming service within Facebook, and quickly figured out that people don't go to Facebook to watch a movie.
0: Well, not yet. Maybe
1: not yet, but it's it's more yeah. of the ADD type uh, yeah, yeah. attention, and you know, scrolling through quick cat videos and yep. what their buddies are doing. Yeah, so, okay. Um seem to be a different environment. It's great for promoting. And it's great for getting the attention out there, but actually having people
2: stream a whole stream a, whole film.
1: a, a home film just wasn't uh,
2: didn't seem to be uh, the right model. Mm-hmm. One thing that's um, interesting is when you when you look back, when we started five years ago, nearly five years ago now, the nature of SVOD was that it was basically back catalog. So you look at Netflix and and uh, in in the US at the time they hadn't come here. And you had a, a, a series. I can't think of an example, but let, let's say there was four four seasons of it, and the, and the most recent season would be on 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 you know broadcast TV. You'd find maybe one or two seasons on Netflix, and then you'd see you, the third season would come, and then the fourth season you know would appear a long time down the track. So it really was sort of back catalogue. Whereas now, you know, the the, the the trends have changed. Consumer the eyeballs are now you know people are, are hunting down the. The, the, the different sort of viewing viewing methods. It's got increasingly competitive, so you're now seeing a lot a lot more exclusive first run TV shows on VOD services, and the result is you know they're really expensive to acquire, and I think that's just a space that you know we, we're not really that interested in. You've
0: got to be firecast don't yeah. you?
2: And and yes. fr- just from there, you you say, well, on the movie side, that that those brand new release movies, you you don't you can't find them in a subscription ser- in a subscription catalog. They're just not there. So, you know, that's an area to, to play in for us that's exciting. And, you know, we think there's a, there's a demand to, to meet. And it, it certainly makes some sense to me.
0: What do, what do you think, Jeremy? I mean, if, for me, you know, if there's a new movie that's come, coming out in the cinemas, you, you know, you can be, you know, I still go to the cinema sometimes, but. Realistically, when when I've got a good setup at home and where I am at the moment, I've you know I've got an H, a full HD projector that's you know sitting in a box somewhere, um, so I don't have the the ideal setup. But when I do, uh, there are times when actually you know probably, probably more often than not, where if a new release is out and I want to see it, where I would actually prefer to see it in the home environment to yeah, going definitely. out to a cinema.
3: Yeah, I mean it's um, I think it's a great model. I like the fact that you just, you know you don't want to compete with a A Goliath, but you've got a great, um, a great simple solution. Essentially, I want to see something that's. I mean, I feel like I've 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 exhausted Netflix um, in terms of what I what What? I enjoy. There's (laughs) a lot of content there. There is, but I've got a. I guess a a particular sort of set of things that I enjoy watching, and um, and as I you know, I go back there and find things, but I'm always trying to find a uh, the newer.
0: Yeah, when when you, thing, you know? when you binge watch sort of the the, the top few
2: things and uh yep. then, then they're gone, right? That's right. The yeah. other the other thing is the data is is clear. We've got a massive amount of viewing data, and you know it's basically to, it's slightly simplified, but it's TV during the week and it's movies on Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, I mean that's just what people want. So you know uh, Netflix is. I mean in New Zealand, Netflix generally Netflix has got more of a focus on TV. we all know that the netflix new zealand catalog isn't that good so the movies uh on netflix new zealand are you know they're not not great um you know that's that's the that's the opportunity for us to 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 jump in and say well look you know all these great new brand new release movies that you know have just been on at the cinema they're fresh they're new you 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 kind of watch them all well you know friday night saturday night uh we're embedded on all the devices as we've often discussed on this very show Paul. so you know it's game on i think it's a i feel good about
0: it now you can you're competing with the the likes of uh apple i guess microsoft have got their uh you know uh, i don't know what they're calling it this week um uh maybe it's groove <laughs> is it uh is that their, their uh but anyway they've oh. or is that their music one um whatever they used to be xbox movies at one xbox
2: point video well mike is it not Some, microsoft video oh, maybe, or something maybe, yeah maybe that. it is
0: I'm not sure um that i mean they've they've you know They've let themselves down <laughs> incredibly on their uh, uh, video and, and, and audio services. Um, but yeah, I guess if you've got an Xbox, you can go and watch their content. If you've got an Apple device, you can go and access their content um, you know Goog- Google similar to a to a degree. How do you compete with them? Is it the fact that you're across all the platforms? Does that create an op uh, you know a good opportunity for you? Yeah, I, I think that that's one
1: of the, the biggest differentiators is the being agnostic across as many hardware devices as you can possibly imagine. I think we're well over 700. Um, smart TVs are, of course, a, a big part of our, our delivery service. The Xbox, Sony, PlayStation 4, you know, these are all devices, once again, that we're, we're focused on the, the, the movie experience with that. So, mm. you know, when you look at, at iTunes, of course, it's, you know, it's a good service. Um, the quality of the, the the content that comes across what you actually get to watch is is phenomenal um, User interface is you know hasn't been much that's happened with it and search and discovery is kind of the great um, the great piece out there that we're really focused on um, developing that and deploying you know we've already got a good one but we've also got some other you know uh, Things up our sleeve that we're going to introduce to customers. That's really going to introduce kind of the, the the deeper catalog and and showing people films that if you like this, you're really going to love this. So, right. I that's that's part of it.
0: Yeah. So now, is this something that you, that you can afford to put a, a, a good chunk of investment into? Because I think um, what were the figures you you acquired Net, um, Quickflix for? Was it one point seven? Uh, million yeah. Australian. That was, you know, compared to the investment that's gone in to build the apps and all the things over over the years. Um, obviously, the company wasn't in a great state, but um, you have acquired it at a reasonably low cost. Does that give you some some room to sort of really push things forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, our our model dramatically changes the cost associated going to the marketplace. Um, the transactional piece is very much on a uh, a rev share basis, so the revenue is shared with the studios versus kind of guessing and writing a check and hoping that you've yeah. got enough subscribers across the aggregate to pay for it.
0: When you're doing the subscription video on yeah. demand, so, you you, mm. you just have to front up and pay for all that stuff. Right. And yeah, so that's right. a very that's a
1: very scary proposition. Um, you know we're partners with the studios with it. You know, we're going out and if we're successful, they're successful. And um, you know if we're not making a ton of money, the studios aren't making a ton of money. But um, at the end of the day the risk factor for us is much lower than what they've gone into and of course the process of how we took over the company puts us in a much better position. So we're kind of standing on top of a, a heavily invested foundation that now all we have to do is get people, you know, to adopt the the the, uh, the usage. So
0: that's in your court, isn't it, Patty? Is the local the local guy running the, the, the operation here? Sounds about right. Yep, yep. So what what are the stats uh, you know globally are there are there other people that are uh, that are competing with the the apples and Googles and 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 Microsoft um, in this space and and, and doing okay or, or or doing well are there any other examples you can look at or is it just is it something that you can see the opportunities there if it's if it's done well and um, you know you'll uh, you'll take the risk and and, and make it work?
1: Well, I mean, transactional video on demand has been around for a very long time. I mean, in mm. the cable satellite space, that was the primary way, you know, other than pay-per-view, which was kind of paying for it in a linear space and turning it on right at the right time, um, a lot of the big cable providers went to having services like that. And they've been very successful with it. Comcast in the United States has a an amazing service um, doing their their transactional video on demand. So, um I think that globally there's a lot of services that are emphasized on that. Um, We're also offering the electronic sell-through, which means you buy a a digital copy of it as well, Um, which interestingly enough here is significantly cheaper than buying a Blu-ray or a DVD.
0: Oh, so what what does that land at to buy a digital copy of a... So, movie th-
1: you know, the studios change the prices a bit, just like they, you know, when you go and buy a DVD, it's a bit different. So, anywhere from fourteen ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine is a is a typical price of owning the actual digital copy.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Now, um, in the past, there was there was a time where SD was sort of the best, you know, uh, standard definition was sort of the best through uh, Quickflix. Where's, where's that at the moment in terms of the, the sort of quality you're able to stream this content at? Well, we're certainly 100%
1: focused on HD, and in fact, we're in discussions about some 4K solutions as well. Okay. Uh, which okay. is interesting here in New Zealand, you know, the, the connectivity here is so good. Um, you know, you look at Australia and it's, it's a bit of a mess, but over here, um, you know, talking about 100 megs to the home is is fairly standard with, you know, even gigabit connections. So, mm. it's an amazing marketplace to actually introduce 4K streaming right to
0: the home. How does it compare for you to what you have in the US?
1: I would say that it's actually better here um, by in in concentration, right? So, if you're to look at, you know, we've got 300 million people obviously in the US with it. So, there's a, a big hole in the middle of the country that has horrible service but even you know we've got probably the top of the line service in our house and we're only i think it's 70 megs so right. you know, it's and that's all that's available so i i have heard of very few gigabit connections um anywhere in the u.s
0: mm. oh that's uh that's
3: kind of nice to hear isn't it yeah it's uh it's something that's not often talked about in new zealand that we've got good
0: internet but um and of course of course we hear from from those that are that don't have it and, uh, uh, you know, in locations where, where they struggle and so on. But, uh, yeah, but it's, it's, we're, I think we're certainly heading in the right direction in, in those regards. So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, nice I think if out.
1: you were to look at per capita, um, the type of service that's being provided to the typical New Zealand person, it's, it's pretty impressive.
3: Oh, yeah, there's been, I mean, huge inroads since the UFB rollout and people really starting mass adoption of that. That's been a, a, a real journey over the last couple of years, really.
0: Now um, I'm curious to explore a, a little bit where um, and and I guess this is becoming an area that um, uh, Quickflix won't be focusing on, uh, you know, longer term. But yeah, thoughts on on where we're going with the subscription video on demand services, sport tying in and so on. Uh, you know, here in New Zealand, we've just just had um, the big boxing match over the weekend. Um, and uh, actually, I, I was I was catching up with a friend who who told me that he wanted to uh, he wanted to watch the uh, the fight, and um, his dad wanted to watch the fight as well. And uh, Sky have this uh, this thing where you, you know you get their decoder and um, and and you pay your subscription, and then you pay I think it was what, about sixty dollars if you wanted to watch the fight. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, the service here not being delivered over, over cable, being satellite. They don't really know where things are. So there seemed to be a lot of people, and, and this was the case, uh, for these, these chaps where, uh, um, they'd signed up for the two decoders in one house, but the other decoder was actually in a completely, uh, different house. So they had a very, very low cost guy at their, uh, uh in the, in the second family's home. Um, and, uh, anyway, somebody paid for the, for the fight. And of course, it goes across the, the, um, the device, you know, both devices in the one home, which weren't in one home. So they, they both got to, uh, uh, watch the, watch the match. So a little, little bit of a challenge that, uh, that Sky have there. Um, but, um, you know, what was mentioned to me was the, um, uh, my, my friend said, Oh, look, I, you know, jumped onto Sky's website. I thought, well, will i be able to stream this over the internet. Uh, you know, what are my options and so on? And it wasn't immediately obvious to him that there was actually that option. Uh, now I think that it was, it was possible to, uh, uh to do that, but it seems we've, we've got, you know, quite a few complexities around how we get access to, to content. And it seems as though there's still a, you know, there's still a bit of maturing to be done. Um, Patty and uh, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on on where this is this is heading? Because obviously you watch this space. Probably uh, there'll be a few other people in New Zealand that would would um, you know have probably more of a view on this than than you because you've been watching it for a long time. And uh, you know, obviously with uh, uh, Quickflix, um,
2: you're, you're heading in a slightly different direction. But what are your thoughts? Uh, look, I think I think we've discussed this before. I mean, I think. I think we're not yet at a stage where every and I, first thing is I think that the, the um, you know you're you're making a sort of uh, potentially a sort of distinguishing between SVOD and and other VODs. I mean, to me, subscription subscription and, yeah. as opposed to say pay-per-view, we're talking like, about transactional VOD, which yeah. is pay per view, or, or you know other models that are out there. There's a, there's you know a VOD which is the catch up services and so on. The key thing for me is actually it's about. We're not at, a, we're not yet in a, in a sort of harmonized world where you can get every app that you want on every device that you have. So Samsung, Samsung TVs, for example, have quite aggressively chased down the apps more so than LG or, or, or Sony, which don't have quite the, the same selection at the moment. There will come a time, I imagine, in the future when no matter what you want to watch, you'll be able to go to your smart screen or equivalent, and they'll all be there and you choose what you want. If you buy
0: the, the, if very, you buy the, latest the very, very latest model because yeah. your, your two- or three-year-old model is, may have half-bricked itself or yeah. just you know, won't update or but the other, all sorts of other other issues there with, with buying a smart TV.
2: The other option is that every single app that you could possibly want will all be Chrome, Chromecast compatible so that actually you can fire them up on your mobile and yes. they all work with Chromecast. At the moment, they don't all work with Chromecast. Uh, Apple TV is a slightly different usage case, I guess, because you've got to be in that ecosystem. But you know what I mean? At the moment, we're just not there. Now, we've always prided ourselves and kind of been at the forefront of that. And we're sort of comparable with Netflix in terms of our device distribution and, and ahead of the other local guys. But they've got they've got the main other devices covered. But, you know, I mean, if you happen to have got an LG TV as opposed to a Samsung, well, you're just not in as good a place in terms of accessibility or availability of of those apps so, so as, I, as i've found yeah <laughs> so so for me it, it you know i hope that in a year or two i don't know a couple of years may be realistic that actually basically all the devices if not there might there might be something that comes along that kind of unifies everything in a you know in a sort of, from a tech perspective but it's about just it's about access so and it's about availability and you know I think that's the key point. Rather than the different models of subscription or transactional or whatever, it's whatever you want to watch over IP, you know, you can on your device of choice. And we're just not there yet. I, don't, I mean, I don't think any market's there yet. Eric, I'm looking at you in America. I mean, America's not in, in, in any better position than New Zealand, I don't think.
1: No, I mean, I would say that part of the struggle when you talk about sports and streaming is the quality of the service that's coming across. Um, I think people in the past have really been hesitant about watching their their favorite team with, when it's an important match, and having potentially you know that that stream fail at the opportune you know time that it shouldn't be failing.
0: Um, so is that a, is that a common thing to happen uh, internationally? I mean, we have certainly had. Uh, I mean, Sky have had a lot of bad luck around that here. And, you know, I guess some of our services here in New Zealand have come from a particularly large US-based company. Um, I hope nothing to do with you. Um, who, who have, uh, you know, who, who have struggled to, uh, deliver a consistent service. I think, you know, certainly that's, that's where some of the, the problem has, uh, has been blamed.
1: Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of complexity behind providing a stable stream that, that scales based on, you know, a lot of people coming in all at once on it. Um, it's gotten much better. Uh, the, the Olympics in the United States through the service were, I think it was NBC that had it. It was it was actually really good. Um, but I do know that you know certain events that come in, um, and especially an area like this that a network is not used to having you know a all blacks event that needs to be streamed and you know having that amount of people on IP all at once. So it is a struggle with that. A lot of it comes down to the way, though, it's it's engineered across the networks that are, and when I speak about networks, the the IP networks that are delivering. Yeah. So, it, you know, I think a lot of these companies that come from overseas that are trying to deploy in here may not quite understand maybe the politics or how certain networks are put together and decide, oh, well, I'm going to go, you know, in Australia, I'm going to go Telstra. Well, that might not be your best solution, to service everyone
0: you yeah know? well we have some pairing challenges of the way that uh, different ISPs connect to each other and so on here in New Zealand don't we you,
1: certainly and understanding how those are architected is extremely important to how you deploy a streaming service that's going to be reliable and scalable so um, you know hopefully those same people are coming back to learn what they did or they're finding the right people that, that understand that architecture
3: seems like there's a a bit of a um i guess new zealand with with sky tv being as significant as it is as well i mean they're in still over 50 percent of homes in new zealand as far as i understand and it's a uh, it's a massive monopoly and it's hard to get a whole lot of innovation out of that space if you're um if you're sitting on some massive subscription revenue that you could be cannibalizing pretty quickly if you if you move into sort of uh these spaces too aggressively and i think that's really true for the likes of sport where um you know a lot of people are paying sky 100 bucks a month for a service that they hardly use anymore except for the sport uh, and it's it's holding a, a lot of revenue um, which is keeping new zealand from sort of i um, getting too innovative in this space i think particularly in sport
2: yeah the only other thing to add is i've heard it a lot recently um you know i think when when First of all, it was Coliseum Premier League Pass who came along and, and broke up the you know the, the 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 football, the English football, and everyone was sort of cheering along and saying, "Great, you know, this is Sky's Sky stranglehold over the sport. It's like the beginning to break up, and what's going to happen next?" And then there was golf; they lost, and and so on. And then then everyone said, "Well, hold on, I've got to pay fifteen bucks or more now, a month more now to watch the football. Another ten bucks if I'm into golf, or whatever it is." And actually, it's not all in the same place. And actually, these apps don't always work that well. And they don't connect. They don't all, you know, work in the same way was actually better when it was all in the same place. And, you know, be careful what you wish for in some cases, I think. And, and it may be that there are, you know, we might see some sort of streaming media boxes, that kind of thing, like a Roku box or something like that. You know, these things might come into the market where, you know, Apple TVs are sort of a bit like that, but, but not exactly. And there's, it's still quite niche and it doesn't have everything, you know, and it, I think there's a, there's a play for like a unifying device. Um, you know, yeah, and the Roku
0: has uh, certainly been very popular in the in the US and, yeah.
2: and and in other markets. But it kind of comes back to to oh, I think it does anyway to what I was saying a minute ago, which is you you, you need all the apps on there. So you want one dev- one little device with all the apps. So then you know you can relatively easily flick from one to the other. You know that's where it gets difficult, where they're all in different places and all have a different setup and stuff. And then you you know in some cases you're faffing around behind the TV with a HDMI cable, and it's you kind of hope those days are long gone, but so have you, you guys know. got a deal coming with, uh, with Roku? Anything oh, sure. you can pre-announce? Well, <laughs> 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 uh, not just yet. Nothing to say at the moment. Because <laughs> yeah. that,
0: that's a great box, but, of course, hasn't been hasn't been sort of officially available, uh, you know, within the local market, really. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and, I, I mean, I think that, that is, it's a very common – it is a common discussion now around, oh, look, we've got to buy this and we've got to buy that service and so on. And, uh, yeah, oh, aren't we actually going to end up worse off than – than, than what we were before um, it's, the, it's those mainstream like imagine if we had two skies
3: in New Zealand two really significant sort of players that have been pay-per-view for years and, and they had a, a level of aggression towards their competition to moving into this space it would enable a lot more um, I'm talking sports specifically but it would enable a lot more transition uh, into the digital realm more quickly because uh, you know they've, they've got reason to do it they're, they're competing you know, just a shame well, we don't.
1: Well, I mean, you know, in the States, the big boys are doing all of the authentication as well. So most of the, you know, key broadcasters now have their form of app that is a pretty impressive service and if you are on, you know, a Comcast and you can get TV anywhere, that is kind of the migration that they're Mm -hmm. doing so that your mobile device, you can watch anything that you're basically seeing on live TV on your mobile devices. So that it's a it's a migration that you can do as a company and as a as a provider that still you're still capturing that subscription base but you're allowing your consumers to engage it in much different ways i mean yeah the, the problem I'm is saying. is if you don't adopt that you're going to go the way of what happened with the record industry oh we're not mm. going to do digital we're not going to do digital you know and then yeah. people start ripping it and the piracy comes into play and you know as you know the the piracy piece and the the low cost technology that's out there now to be able to rip streams and to rebroadcast and to use things like periscope and all these different type of rebroadcasting, um, technologies. I mean, they're going to get their lunch eaten if they don't adopt something.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that was the discussion I I had, um, with news talks at over the weekend. They, they called up, uh, they wanted some commentary around, uh, um the the fight from the the, the weekend uh Parker Roos fight and you know we knew late last week there was the uh the announcement that uh seven people uh were found uh guilty uh when they were they were taken to court for uh, basically illegally uh sharing live streams from the from the previous uh Parker fight and they were fined I think a hundred hundred dollars each, and there was maybe twenty six hundred dollars in court costs, so it was fairly uh low uh, but it was suggested that you know following that test case that they would maybe go after them for a lot more, so uh, you imagine maybe somebody puts a stream out there and it gets uh, seen uh, by uh, ten thousand people, and the stream's normally fifty dollars mm. uh, then then you know, I can imagine uh, Sky and uh, and the boxing promoter uh, trying to get a little bit more than a hundred dollars uh, next next time round. So there's 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 some you know some really interesting dynamics there. And uh, there there was um, some information shared by Sky uh, saying that this time they were going to be going after about a hundred hundred people rather than the the seven or so. And I think the 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 impression that I had from uh, journalists that called me was, wow, it looks like there's been a whole lot more streaming than what there was before. Um I'm not quite sure that was the that was the case. Maybe they've got a bigger team on it and they're a bit more bit more focused, but it was certainly it was certainly happening. And you know, I think what this says to me is you you can't really shut down the uh the streaming. So you know the the answer, you know, if there is one uh is i think the pricing and the 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 access to uh paying for the content has to be on reasonable terms Mm. and uh you know i don't know how you define what is reasonable but it seems like there's a a pretty large chunk of the new zealand population that felt paying sky 60 dollars for a stream was very unreasonable and uh you know, they felt, well, if they were paying it, then they were more than justified to share it with as many people as they wanted.
1: Well, maybe they should start using the uh, ransomware with it. <laughs> get their two friends to pay for it, and then they can get it for free.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that would be one approach. Uh, Jeremy, do you think the the, the price for sports streaming uh, is, is fair? I mean, did you, <laughs> what, what did you do? Actually... What did you do? Did you watch, watch the match? Were you there? Uh, so I went to...
3: Um, like the park, last Parker fight, I went to the casino with a few friends and um, and watched it there. And turned up to the casino to uh, see no Parker fight this time. Um, and all of the uh, all the people we asked said it was too expensive uh, for them to to justify putting it on the screens for the casino. Yep, too expensive what? for
0: the casino. I guess uh, how, a- how can there be anything that's too expensive for I the know. casino? They built the Sky Tower. <laughs> I think
3: they like making a profit. That's the problem. Um, so. So we headed down to to a local pub and and watched the fight. Um, and it was funny there was a a sign on there that said ten dollars entry free entry fee um, Parker fight this you know this weekend and um, you didn't pay an entry fee. No, there was no entry. No one was paying an entry fee. It was um, yeah, it was, it was a bit beyond that. So I think it's a lot for even you know short consumers. I think it's ridiculous. Sixty bucks um, for for something that is catching I guess catching the heart of a country um, it's not as niche as like a UFC fight that's you know that, that if you're that into it then you might pay a whole lot of money but um, this feels like it's something that a lot more um, mainstream I guess um, so I don't know how they came up with 60 bucks but
0: well I guess they're, they're, they're trying to make a profit from it so they may have worked, worked back on that um i heard that it was it was you know it was free to watch and free to wear in Australia mm. uh, so I can understand that people get that that causing people to get their uh, backs up a little bit I also went uh went online to c n n and BBC and the international news sites to see well, how significant was this fight what 's the international media coverage around it so I went to their sports pages to see yep do you know what I saw nothing nothing nothing, yeah. nothing. Well, so the, in New that- Zealand, we thought this was the biggest fight. Yeah, this was the fight of the century. This is huge. This is you know, <laughs> yeah. Park is taking on the Little world for you know. But there, there are uh, what is it? Four, four different divisions. No, world titles. Yeah, heavyweight championships. So there's yeah. the WBO and the whatever the other ones are, and uh, the WBC, one that was, the IBF. Yeah, all of that, and, 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 there uh, and, was, there was, and there was another fight on, and there was another fight on twelve hours guy, later that yeah. actually got that, that got some coverage. Anthony Joshua, but, um, yeah, the, yeah. The, but but this one was was nowhere on the radar at all. No. So although you might have looked at our local media and thought, "Wow, this is big," um, I'm not sure that anyone was actually interested anywhere else. You could say that for All Blacks versus
3: Australia, I guess for. Uh, a lot of a lot of countries as well. Though. Mm. It just doesn't get the attention of. Uh,
0: I would say get more attention than this. I'm thinking America a bit more. I guess. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. There's some fans, but mm. yeah,
0: not a lot. Yeah. So
2: I, I think I think yeah. you, I think you do have to be a little bit careful. Um, without understanding what the economics are behind behind these deals and so on, you know, it is tough when you've got a when you've got a lack of scale to make these things work. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how Sky did the deal, but. Um, you know, I guess you just have to be a little, a little bit careful without, without full un- understanding. Which there's no reason why I would have it, but you know, the starting point is a lack of scale here, and generally that just pushes the price up of pretty much everything.
1: Well, the, I'm, the hard part about it is if you rent it for your house, you can invite as many people over as you want.
0: And right. that's what some people so, are saying. Why can't like, I share it on my phone? Because that's just the same as inviting people into my lounge, just in a virtual sense. Sure. So if, <laughs>
1: it's, a, it's a good argument if you. I mean, if you're if you're sharing it with a, a number of people that would be able to fit in your living room, what's the difference? Now, if it's going out to. You know ten thousand sure. people now you got another problem, but
0: but that that's the that's the pricing thing, isn't it though when when people feel it's unreasonable and that's a very intangible thing, you know how how can you say well what's a what's a reasonable? is a dollar reasonable is ten dollars reasonable is it twenty is it thirty would forty five dollars be okay ah yeah. oh, but once it gets over fifty one um, you know, everyone has a, has a, has a different line on that. And, you know, some people will be involved in content production. I have friends in the film industry, make music and so on. They'll be dead cent- against sort of, you know, anything that doesn't, con- uh, you know, consist of, of, of paying for it. Uh, but then there's other people who, uh, you know, will just, yeah, you know, probably at virtually any price wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be willing. So it's, it's, I mean, it's yeah. not an easy one. It's a free market at the
3: end of the day. I mean, they can price it the way they want and get as many people.
0: And, yeah, and I guess that's, that's the numbers that they've crunched, right? Yeah, they've crunched exactly. the numbers and said, well, you know, based on whatever, whatever they've got, selling it at the 59.95, or whatever it was, uh, will get them the best return. Mm-hmm. They would have they, they would have known they could sell it at $10 yep. and maybe got a, a few more people, but would they have got six times as many people? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, that, that's how these things work. Yep. And, uh, they will accept that, uh, a byproduct of that is some, uh, is some piracy. Mm. All right, moving on to uh onto other uh other topics. Um I saw a, a news article saying that uh, more people have been uh, illegally downloading uh The Grand Tour than uh than Game of Thrones. So uh this has has really picked up uh um quite a bit of attention. Are you, any of you guys uh watching the Grand Tour this of course being the um I guess the the Top Gear follow up. Yeah, yeah. So while Top Gear uh, continues with the BBC, of course Richard Hammond, James May and uh, Jeremy Clarkson have have moved on, signed their uh, their their big deal uh with Amazon. Um I've had a I've had a watch of the the first episode and um yeah, it was pretty cool, looked very big budget and so on. Um I'm I wasn't a fanatic uh of uh top gear, but um yeah it's certainly pretty pretty enjoyable.
3: Where did, where can you get the grand tour? Uh well officially
0: through through Amazon streaming. So I, I keep my Prime account live and um seem to be able to uh access that in New Zealand. But yep. yeah, they have said they'll be making it available in two hundred countries by the end end of the, the year. Um so uh, yeah you, mo- you mm, I haven't seen the official announcement about local availability mm.
2: so you're excited about paddy oh i enjoyed a bit of top gear um, yeah. i thought it was better um, those boys were better than the you know the the more recent effort Crew? so uh, yeah. so yeah i'll probably get round to watching it when it becomes easily available there's a lot loads of things that i'm either watching or keen to watch and it's just one of them that'll take its place and i'll wait until it's just easy to access Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I hope it's good.
0: Yeah. Um, now, on to um, Homestock Coded NZ, Jeremy, which we've had you on the show a few months ago. Yep. We've got a little bit of an update. Um, then, on sort of the, you know, I guess you, you were fairly newly launched at that stage. Mm and really I mean you had a huge amount of publicity i 've seen your face on uh, on tv and <laughs> yeah. and and so on. Uh, it seems like that Kiwi homeowners are quite liking this ability to go on and and get a little bit of a, a feel for what 's happening, particularly in the current market where home values are going up now i 'm not sure how uh, excited people will be when the figures that you start showing which you know will, will likely happen at some point in time yeah, no doubt. Uh, they'll they'll log in and and see that uh, maybe they've just lost fifty thousand dollars in a month or, or, or something that, that, that can happen yeah totally uh, but that's that's the, that's the flip side of it I mean what's happening what's happening for you guys and uh, how are you getting on with your your data I think last time I you know I, I mentioned oh, I think you've you know you've overpriced my house <laughs> um, in the meantime I went to put it on the market and I thought oh, why did I mention that because you seem to have uh, Sorry, seem, seem, seem to have devalued it <laughs> um, but you know just understand you have some ways where people can also you know feed your Data and uh, where you can, uh, you'll pull that into the system and, um, yeah. and help. But you obviously done a lot of work behind the scenes on on uh, your algorithms and, and and so on. Yeah. So um,
3: I guess the focus for Homes.co.nz recently has been um, enabling people to interact with the data to improve uh, to improve their experience essentially. So people go to homes to understand the value of a home um, primarily. So they do that via sales histories in their area or estimated values for for their home so we started off by publishing these and the, it was the first sort of time that new zealand had seen it but uh we've sort of moved beyond that i guess and are starting to enable people to add uh, all sorts of information to their property um, so we are really focused in on the sort of 1.2 million owner-occupied homes helping those guys to understand. Their largest asset, whether it's going up or uh, or they got some bad news and it's going down. <laughs> um, so we're we're enabling uh, real estate agents to we're, we're helping people to connect with with real estate agents who are performing well in their area. So we're sort of using
0: data to prove that. And then, hey, said so tell me more about that because yeah, cool. I've recently been you know in in the process of um, trying to sell sell some property. Yep. Um, and. Yeah, you, you have, I guess you know, different people take different approaches. For for me, um, yeah, I had the first house that um, that I that I bought uh, when I got married out in uh, this was in West Auckland. Yeah. Um, we lived there for a number of years and decided we wanted to move in more central. We sort of rented that out. We weren't quite sure whether we wanted to sell it at the time. Yeah. Uh, we bought another house a, a bit more central. Um, and then we had something that we just sort of stumbled upon on a long weekend away, uh, in, in Tauranga that was near the beach. And we thought, oh, that's cheap. And we called up the bank and they said, yeah, you can have, we'll loan you the money for that with no deposit. Um, so we ended up with these, uh, three properties and quite different scenarios. The, the one in West Auckland, uh, when we sort of just, when we were thinking of selling that, we uh, we drove down down the street afterwards, and you know we saw various signs up for real estate agents, obviously working in the area. Yeah, and it may be quite an old school approach, but you know, we just called their numbers and, and had mm. a chat uh, to a few, and some of them came around. And uh, you know, one one guy, we you know maybe he was just a great salesperson, but he he convinced us that uh, um, that he he was the guy to uh, to sell that that property. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the one that was a bit more bit more central um we weren't really thinking of we weren't really thinking of selling that uh, and then we saw a, a house for sale on the street at a price that was sort of um you know a bit more than what we we were expecting for for within the area mm. and that gave us an indication of of where prices were at. so we thought well you know they're selling selling that in in yep. our street. Um, we'll have a chat to them and that was how we chose them. So obviously, the, you know, the amount of data that I drew on for those is, uh, is a, was a pretty small set of, uh, yeah, a pretty small, problem, small set of, yeah. uh, data. So, um, how should I have done this? And, and, you know, what, what data do you have at the moment? Cause you don't have a, a huge, um percentage of landlord's data you can i mean um agents data you can draw from do you or how, do, how does that look so we've, for got, you? we've got hundreds of agents particularly
3: in auckland now that are um they can they go in and they claim their sales history so it can date back twenty years so um there's a guy uh, in Remuera era who sold the same house five times over twenty years um, made yep some uh, good the, money yeah made some good money on it <laughs> um but he's done a good job so uh So from there, you can see who is selling in your area, Um, over the focusing in on the last 12 months. So you go in and you claim your home on Homes, and you you get a list of sort of five agents, and you can see their recent sales, um, how far away it is from that home, what the type of home is, and it just helps you get a bit more informed about who you're dealing with. Um, Obviously, you want to go and meet them and and figure it out if if you're actually selling your house, but... Um, this interaction with the data is focused in on. You can get an agent appraisal and submit that into Homes, um, or the agent can, and it will have an impact on the the estimated value of that home. So, um, you can update a whole lot of details as well about the property, and we'll be using that to to manipulate the the homes estimate. So, it's sort of we we came we started in New Zealand with uh, by putting a, a number on a home. Uh, it, it got a lot of attention. We've had over. Getting sort of yeah two hundred fifty thousand people a month coming to the site now it's pretty uh, it's pretty noisy there, but it's uh, there's there's always a um, an insatiable desire I guess to get a, a clearer understanding of what the value of your largest asset is, um, and so that's what we're really trying to to serve up. Mm. It's fun,
0: and I mean you get a pretty valuable database there as you get people that sort of link in, claim their homes, add data yeah you know who owns what and so on um will you monetize that in some other ways down down the track
3: there's uh monetizing the site's fairly uh fairly standardized i guess on a global sense like there's uh we're not doing anything too creative when you look at uh where the u k and the u s are uh, people have been doing this for a long time so there's there's a real focus for us i guess in working with corporate partners um Big companies that can afford to invest into doing clever things that help people understand value. So, are we doing stuff to get insurance estimates for every home in New Zealand? Power estimates for every home in New Zealand. So, rather than just looking at the value of your home, you can look at the essentially the cost of running a home, and uh, and can see how you're doing against your neighbours. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I guess you know if you do that well, and you add add value for your your users. Um, then it shouldn't be too hard for you to uh, make some money along the way.
3: Yeah, that's kind of the bullseye for us. We figure is you, you know, you create a, a tool that people really love to engage with. Um, have that as your genuine focus of your company, and the rest sort of trickles down from there.
2: Interesting. Mm. This is of interest to to you guys. I've um flirted with the website a few times if I'm honest. I've definitely I've looked around. I've, <laughs> I've you feel, I feel a bit I've nosied around a bit and I've you know it's not just my own house I'm looking at but you know you, yeah, look, at, yeah. you look at your friends and you look at other places you know, and then you look at where all the expensive houses are it sort of feels a bit weird doesn't well, it it's I, the first I, time of tapping heard in say, and have uh, uh, flirted <laughs> with the website so a, but yeah. but I have and uh, you, you do you 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 do feel a little bit strange but um I think it's great. I mean I really I think it's a, it's first of all like the interface is nice and it it works well, so it does what it's trying to do, you know, efficiently. And then I just started sort of cruising around and 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 just going to yeah, looking at, at all sorts of places that I just really didn't think I wanted to or needed to. But yeah. I, I think I I think Jeremy, exactly what you were saying. You can bring a bit more sort of focus to it by. You know, bringing in other sort of data points or whatever you're yeah. calling them, and and that then it gets really interesting. So for me at the moment, I just went, I said, oh, I wonder what that's about, and that's you know, and I and I then did think to myself, how are they going to monetize this? And you know, because I'm just sort of looking around, and then I'm off again. Yeah, but um, I think it, I think the things that you've just said are really interesting, and I hadn't thought of them at all, of course. So um, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's engaging
3: with those homeowners and trying to find, um, it's it's fun, it's enjoyable. Like it does feel like you're um, you're sort of just having a look around, being a bit nosy, but really uh, informing yourself about your largest asset, you know, or the the home that you're going to buy and you're going to fork out a, um, get a noose around your neck, get a mortgage for the next 20 years, 30 years. Um, it's a decision that warrants a pretty deep set of research.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think your approach with the aggregation of all the different sorts of services and cost comparison, I think that's brilliant. I mean, I haven't seen that in, like, the Zillows and... Um, trulia and stuff like that they're not they're not introducing that in the states that i've seen so far i spend a bit of time on those sites just you know looking at property usually i usually argue with them no it's worth more than that (laughs) (laughs) um I, i really like that idea of uh of tapping in and making it a resource for homeowners to uh get access to other things
3: yeah i mean it's such a big part of your um your total spend you know you got your mortgage but then just you throw all your utility bills together and you you know you're working half the year just for those for those bills sort of thing a lot of people so um especially with the current price of property in New Zealand totally yeah, so yeah. optimizing your your insurance and your you know your broadband and um we just put fiber on the um on the website so you can see if you can get fiber in your home um four g mobile coverage as well that's oh. that just went up so there's all sorts of data points in New Zealand we're just trying to pull them together and uh,
0: yeah. That's pretty handy. That's pretty handy. That's good. Well, we'll look forward to maybe another update sometime yeah, cheers, uh, next year. That's uh, that's great. Um now one last thing we did have on the agenda. Um there was a, a a story published by uh The Verge uh saying Microsoft claims more people are moving from Mac to Surface than ever uh than ever before. And of course this this comes while we haven't seen, well, we've only seen it. There's a, a slightly updated um, Surface uh, Book recently, uh, but not a new uh, Surface Pro from uh, from Microsoft in uh, in about a year. Apple have have just recently launched their new uh, uh, MacBook with its uh, its Touch Bar, and um, I guess there's been some sort of mixed reviews of that. I mean, personally, um, you know, I quite like the new uh, the new. MacBook Pro with the touch bar, you know, I think it's nice. Uh, I'm not super put off by the fact they've moved to USB C ports. Um, but that said, I've got my Surface uh, Pro 4 sitting here in front of me (laughs) and I've been plugging things into the USB, full size USB port today and that's quite convenient. Um, but I, and I do appreciate that actually they've got a, they've got a, a real full blown dock for it, which, uh, is somewhat problematic to get, uh, on the Mac side just yet. And, you know, this is a dock which can take, uh, you know, two 4K, uh, uh, monitors over the mini DisplayPort connection. And yeah, you've got your full size, uh, uh, USB 3 ports and, and, and Ethernet on there. And I think that's, that's a good approach. Something that's probably missing on the Apple side. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, I see you're using your, uh, MacBook uh, Pro there. Yep. Um, Would you be tempted by, uh, by Microsoft sort of touchscreen offering or you, you know, you think the, uh, the, the new MacBook sort of will ticks enough boxes for you to, to, to stay where you are?
3: Honestly, the dock is a big, a big one for me. Just, I just, it boggles my mind why, why Apple hasn't embraced this. You might have an answer, but just jumping, you know, every day, every, after a meeting, yeah, I'm doing three or four times a day. I'm, I'm plugging in four or five cables, and I'm pulling them out, <laughs> and I'm cursing Apple as I do it. Sort of. uh, it just doesn't doesn't make sense. So a dock is, uh, is a it's a small thing, but it's a huge feature if you've got a desk and you're you mobile a bit.
1: I was going to say, there's actually some, some secondary market um, dock stations for the for the Mac Pro that are pretty impressive. There must be.
3: But
0: yeah, wh- why isn't Apple doing it, though? I think it is a fair question. That and here in new zealand yep. it's not i mean i guess there there are those products but they take a little bit of time to come and looking at the moment in terms of the usb c ones i they still seem to fall a little bit short from my perspective there isn't one perfect usb c or usb c slash sort of thunderbolt dock for the new macbook yet um, i mean it's a fair point there are some there are some good third party offerings out mm. there but it's yeah. You know, why is it not that, that, that important life. to Apple that they're not actually uh,
3: launching one? Yeah. So you buy your. I, I mean, it's the distribution of it, isn't it? Like, oh, I have a problem. I I have limited time to solve that problem. So, um, I I walk into the Mac store to try and solve it and and walk out again. Um, that's about as much research as I did, I guess.
0: So you are you a Mac user, Eric?
1: Yeah, I'd be lucky to open a file on a PC at this point. <laughs>
0: Paddy, it. you've 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 always used sort of a bit of a mix of technology um
2: yeah, a bit of, a bit of android bit usually of android, float, floating floating yeah. around and uh, you've got a, a surface I think some I've got a surface I've got an android phone I've got an ipad so yeah it must be inefficient to be across all, <laughs> the, all the operating systems uh and yet that's kind of the way I go um yeah I I am um, I don't know. I, I for me, the Surface is good, but but I mean, I think it comes down to sort of individual use cases. You know, I, I thought I would really like elements of the Surface Pro that were sort of um, you know the, the cool bits that were advertised, but I use it basically like a like a normal laptop. And we, we were talking about this before we came on. That I mean, really, all I need is a is a is a laptop with a touchscreen. That's kind of what what's going to work for me. But the dock, I think, is you know it is a really important thing, uh, and and it, it's pretty handy. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think there are some slightly odd decisions coming out of Apple at the moment. But mm. then I read today that apparently this new Samsung phone is going to ditch the headphone jack as well. So um, you know, may, I, I, who knows? I mean, I, sometimes I think I, I think I you know I've got a clear deci- clear sort of opinion of something, and a, you know I know what I think, and I think I'm right. And then Samsung come out with that and announce that they're going to follow follow Apple, and then someone else is going to do it, and maybe they all know better than us. Mm. I don't know.
1: Well, I've got the new Motorola, and they abandoned the uh, headphone jack as well.
2: Yeah, so. and how you got? I mean, did you, was it was So head, what? What phone is that one? What model uh, is that? Moto uh,
1: X. Yeah, Moto X Droid. Yeah, yeah. This is the first non Apple device that I've had in seven years.
2: Wow. Um, Hold on, you are saying that while also having a, an iPhone right oh, next yeah, to you. Too far away. Yeah, that's
1: right. You know, it's <laughs> my my crutch. But uh, yeah, my wife won this on
2: Ellen Show. So, oh I wow! Figure,
1: yeah, I'll give it a try. It.
2: So. so, so how how's it going? And did you did you do, or do you otherwise normally use a headphone jack?
1: Um, I actually rarely use a headphone jack. So, um, so no, no biggie for you. No, it's not. It's not an issue. So, yeah,
3: it, it'd probably be a deal breaker for me at this when I'm looking at phones at the stage. Just.
2: you do do think on the macbook side i mean i look i'm not a mac user but you do think why i mean why i don't know maybe that's too simplistic of you but why not and there was some i think there's a kickstarter project which is a really cool looking not a dock but just one sort of a plug-in thing that's got a you know a load of uh you know out output outputs or what i don't know what you call them yeah um it looks like a really cool thing and you think well apple should have just either done it or, and if at the very least come up with that
0: product. Mm-hmm. We tried doesn't. here, uh, I had the guys try, um, HP have got a nice, uh, Thunderbolt over USB C, uh, dock, um, that, that goes into some of their devices and it, and it does Ethernet and it does, um, I can't remember what the video outputs on it are, but you know, it's got a nice array of connections. And I thought, well, if this works with the, with the, um, MacBook Pro, because that's got Thunderbolt, uh, you know, uh, technology running over the USB-C connection, uh, that would be superb. And plugged it in and, you know, the word was that no, the Ethernet doesn't work and, yeah, I'm not sure what exactly what didn't didn't work, but it, you know, hoping for a perfect solution, and unfortunately, okay. it didn't it it didn't work. So, uh, yeah, well, I,
1: you know, I th- I think with with Mac and with Apple, when it, one of the problems is that most of these issues that we're talking about, they've solved them. I mean, the you know, being able to move files from one device through you know the Apple Share and the and the different pieces, it's all there. But the learning curve, even for those people that use them all the time, I mean, it takes a lot to figure out, oh, wait, it can do this, it can do that, you know. So, you know, everything's moving to Bluetooth, no one wants to have wires, so getting rid of the jacks, it's just, you know, it makes sense. But I think sometimes they sit just a little bit beyond the curve, and the the learning curve as well becomes very difficult um, for people to say, oh, wait, yeah, i got to have Bluetooth, or... I've got to use this sort of device, or I need to move files this way, and I need to use my cloud for moving files back and forth. So, I think if you get really in tune with their ecosystem, um, it makes sense what they've done. But if you're not totally dialed in, it becomes very confusing.
0: And and I think you know, we look twelve to twenty four months out, it will be quite different. And you know, I'm looking at the the Surface Pro four here. With a proprietary docking connection and charging cable. And then you look at the MacBook Pro, which, you know, can do or, you know, technically and, and other products that technically could do the same thing, but with a a standard USB C connection. And I wonder where Microsoft will be. Will they still have that proprietary option? Um, you know, how, how's that actually going to look? And I can see from their perspective they might want to keep the revenue going on their proprietary yep. uh, dock because they, they probably make some good money there. Um, and then there's the customers that have already got those docks Uh, that might want it to work with the next generation. So all of these changes are are uncomfortable, right? So we're going to have some unhappy people with whatever they do in the next generation, whichever way they go, whether they go USB-C or whether they keep the proprietary, there'll be people upset on either side. So um, we can't keep everyone... uh, Yeah, the technology companies can't keep everyone happy. Mm. Um, But... um, yeah, I, I kind of feel as though may, maybe with, uh, you know, Microsoft's, um, statements saying that it's, you know, big, big, that the disappointments of the new Backbook Pro are, are, are helping their sales. I, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear from listeners. So feel free to send us a, a, a tweet, um, if you, uh, if you are, um, wanting to share your comments or thoughts on this. I I would be curious if anyone has, has flipped from uh, one platform to another with the most recent announcements. So uh, you can send their tweet at uh, Paul Spain on Twitter or at NZ tech podcast. All right. Well, I guess that uh, pretty much wraps up the show for this week. Um, Paul, I've got one more story for you. Yes. Well, I
2: like to just sort of, you know, do a scour of the media before I come on and, or, or, you know, tell you what I've been uh, reading about. And it, it, Turns out that a London language firm is seeking an emoji translator, in what could be the first such job in the world. Apparently, emojis are culturally insensitive, oh, and, really? and they're actually looking to get someone in to potentially translate these emojis. How does that work? Well, I'm, I don't really know. I'm trying to get it's my an emerging it. field. This article is saying the emerging field of emoji, emoji translation is dominated by software, which is often insensitive to the many cultural differences in usage and interpretation. I guess so, it's
1: a smile isn't a smile.
2: Well, cross cultural misunderstandings. In I the, don't know. In I the guess use of a,
0: a wink of an eye with a smile, you know, there could, there could be different, <laughs> I'm sure there's you know, di- di- different thoughts around what, what, yes. what that might mean, depending on <laughs> yeah. who it's between. But that's the brilliance that you can use it just like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the job's in London, so if anyone's going up to London and wants, wants uh, you know, wants to look into it further they should
0: yep um go. oh one last thing i will will mention we will have a sort of a, a next week we'll be uh talking sort of christmas uh gift uh ideas and things like that there's you know an, and a bit of a wrap-up of some of sort of favorite uh, tech of the year um but we do have um the kind folks at logitech have uh, have offered us their uh, UE Mega Boom, which uh, we've talked about in the past, which is a pretty cool speaker. Um, they are um, they're going to send out to um, a lucky winner um, the all black version of that. So if anyone uh, wants to be in the draw for that, uh, just sign up to my little email list. Uh, at paulspain.com dot com um, there 's a sign up there on the home page so if you are interested in that and you want to uh jump in the draw then uh, just just sign up to the email list cool. and um yeah that's something we 're doing um here and for people that listen into my show on uh, on radio live as well so um, good luck anyone that uh is keen on uh on one of those but um, be quite a nice thing to have around uh, around the beach or whatever over summer some know. nice beats um, now that's uh, that's us for this week. Now, uh, Patty, where do people track you down? You
2: on Twitter these days? I'm still on Twitter. Yep, at Patty Buckley. Pretty simple.
0: Excellent. Eric, is, is there a way for people to reach you, or are you are you, uh, are you a bit more hidden behind the scenes?
1: Uh, not unless you're on an A380. That's probably <laughs> the easiest way to reach me.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Spend a, bit, spend a bit of time in the air, huh? <laughs> and uh and jeremy uh linkedin's probably the easiest way if you want to get in touch yeah. okay okay that's good all right well thank you uh, everybody for uh, for listening in uh next week will be uh i think our uh, final uh show for the year we have got a couple of uh, interesting uh, guests also uh, also joining for that one um so thanks everyone for uh, for supporting us and and listening uh during the year one more show we will uh, we'll catch you for that next week all right see ya